Good morning. All right. Can you hear me okay? Good. You can hear me now? All right. So, Kelsey asked if I would pray for the kids. There you go. I'm going to do that. Stay here one sec. Okay. So, I was going to share, and I, I'm going to be sharing in, out of, mainly out of Matthew chapter 6. But I wanted to connect the Old Testament into the New. Before Jesus steps on the scene, we know John the Baptist, he was born, Jesus, Jesus starts baptizing people, bringing in the kingdom, right? But you probably know a little bit of history, there were 400 years of silence. And I thought, man, what was the last thing that God spoke? So he spoke to the prophet Malachi. And these are the last words of the Old Testament. Kids stand up, all around here, kids stand up. Uh, what, 17 and under? Yeah, go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray for these kids. And this is the word of the Lord that God gave to prophet Malachi before this 400 years of silence. He says this. So let's pray over our kids. Okay? I'm going to say this, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. So this is Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. God will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So God's heart, Father, your heart is for kids. Your heart is for restoration. Your heart is to bring back and soften the hearts either from the kids being hard-hearted towards their parents or the parents giving up or being hard-hearted towards their kids. Jesus, you came to give a new heart. You came to break all that hardness, all that disappointment, all that shame. And just ask that over the kids right now. We ask Holy Spirit, come and just do that. Bring back these, the hearts of these kids to their parents. And their parents, even parents out here, if, if you're a little bit restrained from your kids, you haven't seen them in a while, or your relationship isn't very good, I just ask right now, God, that you would move on the hearts of even the older kids that are out of the house, maybe adults, that you would bring them back, because Jesus, this is your promise to us, to this world. Thank you, Lord. Bless these kids. Bless the teachers. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that cool how that tied in? I mean, Yeah. I was going to share that. It's like, we've got a ton of, ton of kids here. We've got like a whole, I think Patty brought a whole classroom here. <laughs> um, yeah, just on that note, you, you don't have to dig very deep these days to see that there is a total absence of parents in kids' lives, mainly fathers. Um, and I wasn't even going to share this, but I am. Um, um, kind of sets the stage a little bit. So Kelsey and I have been doing the youth group here um, for the last three years. And I had a handful of boys, and um, the topic was on emotion. And one of the boys, he says, so how do I handle my emotion? He says he was raised by his grandparents and his, his aunt. He says, how do I handle my emotions when I think about my parents? I don't know my dad. I see my mom once in a while, and they're drug addicts. And he's all choked up. He says, how do I handle the all the emotion that I have towards this? And I'm just thinking, wow. And I asked the question. I said, boys, I said, how many of you actually um, know your parents or have a relationship with your dad? None of them. None of them. And honestly, I was getting a little bit frustrated with youth group, <laughs> the age group that was coming in. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. But we started talking along these lines of relationship. And now I see some of the behavioral issues and things coming out. They're just venting, right? They're getting stuff that's buried down deep out. And to me, it's just like, oh, my gosh, kids behave. Get in line. But it's like there's some real genuine hurts there. And what they need, they need a father. They need 
teachers. They need men to guide them. And I tell you what, Wednesday night, I was so encouraged. I was like, now we're tracking. Now we're on the right page. Because honestly, I was just like, all right, we need to do something here because this isn't working. I was, I wouldn't throw in the towel, right? Someone said, go Rocky. I wouldn't throw in the towel. But I was pretty close. And so the Lord has renewed my hope um, for some of these kids, especially the boys. Girls are awesome. I don't know why <laughs> the girls are awesome. Um, okay, that was a little side note. I better keep going. It's already off at 11. So Matthew chapter 6, what we're going to be talking about this morning is kingdom investments. Kingdom investments. And so let's open up in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Now here Jesus is talking to large groups of people. And he had already been talking. Uh, I love uh, Matthew chapter 6. It's so simple. It speaks to me. It's not like you're digging through and dissecting Romans or something. But it's just Jesus shooting from the hip. He's mainly talking to teachers of the law, the Pharisees, just large groups uh, of people here. And he's saying there's been a disconnect over these last 400 silent years because your hearts aren't in the right place. So he addresses things like giving to the needy, right? He says, so when you give to the needy, and this is, I'm backing up, don't announce it with trumpets. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm a good guy, right? I'm the, I'm the best citizen in our, in our city, right? He says, don't do that. And when you pray, don't announce it with trumpets. Here I am. I'm the holy man, right? And so he's touching heart issues. Things had gotten out of control. Why? Because it was, always, it was all about the person. Look at me. Look at my long prayer. Look at my beautiful voice. Or look at whatever. Look at how much I'm giving. Right? Fasting. Mm, that's a good religious act. He said, don't let anybody know what you're doing. Right? Put a little oil on your face. These are things you do in secret. And so what Jesus was, he was honing in on heart issues because they were all about how they looked, how they were viewed in the public eye. Jesus was not about that. So Jesus came in pretty tough, right? I think he probably upset, I know he upset a lot of people, especially the religious of the day. Uh, several times they wanted to kill him over it. And so Matthew chapter 6, he also says, when you do pray, go in your room. It doesn't need to be out in public, right? Now, we know there's a place for, for open prayer, for meetings. There's definitely a place for that. But he's talking about heart issues. And so Matthew chapter 6, we're going to talk about treasures in heaven. I can read this. <laughs> I did bring these. And I'm a little bit embarrassed because... Uh, I tell you, the lighting is great here. At, at home, I could not read this. Maybe, maybe God's healing my eyes or something. Uh, treasures in heaven. Um, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. And Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he goes on to say, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says, you can't serve both God and money. So he ties it in to where our treasures are at. Right? He, he throws in the middle about our eyes and what we look at. If we look at darkness, our whole body, not just a section. Right? It's not like he's saying, well, that's like my pantry. I mean, I hardly do that. That's a little dark spot. But the pantry's so small in the house, no one even looks at it. 
you know, or a little closet. He's saying, actually, it fills up your whole house, right? So Jesus is touching on some points here, but he said also, it's where your eyes look if you're looking on life, right? If you're looking on Jesus, then your whole body, and that's what he's saying, look upon me, because your whole body will be full of light. And um, so I wanted to share a little bit about these earthly treasures, right? And this will not be in, in a condemning way. It's just kind of a step back. I call it uh, sometimes we need to shuffle the deck since some things get out of order, right? We should, like Paul said, examine yourselves daily, right? So we need to do that. If we're not doing it, we might not be in sync with Jesus, right? We, we need to examine ourselves. So um, I really hear, where do we, we invest our treasures, right? So I may invest in the stock market, right? Might be making a little money off that. Gold. It seems like that keeps its value, right? Goes up, goes down, but gold. Pretty good. You can't go wrong there. How about real estate? There's not much left around here, is there? Dan? <laughs> here and there. There might be pockets. What about our homes? You invest in your home, right? Your house. For most people, that's their biggest asset. Can't wait to pay off my house or it's going to, when I pass on, it'll go to my kids. So this is the thing that you pay into most of your life. I mean, you've got this big box that's worth something, right? Um, we see a lot of, like, home improvement shows. I don't know if anybody watches those. I do quite a bit of home improvements myself, right? I work on houses. That's what I do. And uh, when I go into a house, especially on the exterior, I'll evaluate the paint job. That's mainly what I do. I'll evaluate the siding, see if there's any rot. I'll evaluate the gutters, see if they're leaking, see if fascia needs to get replaced. Because I'm thinking, when I put a coat of paint on this thing, I don't want the homeowners to even think about it. And I'm shooting for like 20 years. I'm not like, eh, let's just cover it. A little peel and paint, no big deal. This isn't a promo for my business. I don't want any more work. I don't. But this is, this is what I do. So I am used to walking into houses and seeing them and uh, kitchens, right? Anybody remodeled a kitchen lately? Maybe. You can raise your hand. We got one over there, one brave one. I'm not shooting arrows at you. This is how I make a living, right? I'm just looking at it myself going, okay, where are my treasures, you know? So I'll walk into a house, and um, they'll say, yeah, my kitchen cabinets are a little old. They're a little weathered. They're that oak, you know, and Annie knows what I'm talking about. There's that golden oak that just is bright and stands out. The finish is all faded, and it's got the arched top and everything, and, you know, where the finish is off, it's all brown, and you're just like, it's going to be a lot of work to try to refinish this thing. How about I give you a price to sand them down and and actually put a coat of paint on them instead of stripping them down and putting in a clear coat, right? Let's cover this up. Nobody, well, maybe a few of you want that golden oak look. <laughs> but uh, so I'll give them a price recording, and sometimes I'll actually change out the cabinets, door fronts. Hey, let's, let's go modern on this. Talk about the resale value, everything. And normally, uh, the well, I've had a lot of satisfied customers because of that. But it's a big investment. You're talking about a kitchen remodel. You're talking a minimal ten to fifty thousand dollars, depending on how extreme you want to go with your kitchen, moving walls around, all pl new appliances, flooring, new countertops. What countertops you want to get? It's a big deal, right? And um, I think kitchens. It says that like every ten, fifteen years, a kitchen should get upgraded, right? And one of, the, one of the things I hear when I walk into a house, I go, and I'm not going to say it's the man I'm <laughs> usually saying this. Usually the wife saying, it is so dated. These are so dated. I need to upgrade on everything. Anybody heard that? Anybody said that? Yes, it's dated. It needs to be upgraded. And so every 10 to 15 years, dropping ten to $20,000 in a house, right, at least that's just the kitchen not including all the other maintenance. So I'm going to kind of put that one, the inside stuff on the women, right? It's like, I think, 
different ladies, they like to change their hair color a lot, like dye it pretty often. Right? Here, I'll get on the guys too. <laughs> so I think, okay, sometimes certain people aren't real content totally with their appearance, always changing a little bit, right? But let's look at the guys. Guys might think, that's not me. I have no problem. You know, I've had a goatee since I was in high school. I've looked the same, same jeans. No big deal. I don't move with the trends. Anybody thought that? Right. You can ask your spouse. <laughs> just depending on which one you talk to, right? The husband's probably like, man, I still look the same since high school. I'm just a little grayer, maybe a little bit less hair. But um, anyways, so men like to barbecue, right? Anybody got a Traeger here? If you got a Traeger, it's just like there's no turning back. That's all you're talking about, right? And they got this Wi-Fi on there. You can send the you can you you can be in Winco picking out your steaks, right? And if someone starts it, you're adjusting the temperature, you know, while you're in the checkout lane, checking the level of smoke in there. You're you're home and it's practically done, right? So guys love their smokers and a few other things, boats, uh, fishing rods, whatever, golf clubs, whatever you might be into. But also, um, you know they did a study that here in Josephine County, here in Josephine County, the average amount of guns that a man owns is 17. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's 14. <laughs> no. Hey, I got to balance it out. Come on, these guys again. So this saying, we spend our money on uh, lots of things, right? And Jesus was talking here. He says that, um, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So why do guys have the guns? Those thieves coming in. Why do they have the big gun case? For the thieves coming in, right? <laughs> Armed and ready. They step on my property, they're done. I've heard that, not anybody in here, but uh, I've heard that before. So we accumulate all this arsenal. And now I'm pointing at the guys. I'm not just saying about the, the ladies in their kitchen remodels or anything like that. So we are all at fault here. Sometimes our eyes, and I actually, I'm not saying it's you're wrong if you got 17 assault rifles, okay? <laughs> I'm just picking out something. I'm going, okay, Jesus, what are you talking about then? If you're saying that we shouldn't store up treasures on earth, then what are the treasures that you're talking about? Because I have a lot of possessions, right? And we have a lot of possessions. We are blessed. Um, so it says we can't serve God and money. So I think about that. I think, okay, am I serving money? I, am I led by it? Am I a slave to it? Or if I'm, am I working in advantage to advance the kingdom? Right? You have to, we have to ask ourselves, am I chasing money? Like, going back to the things that we look at can either be dark or they can be light. And since our eyes are the our window to the soul, then they can totally envelop and change what's going on in here. So if all I see is dollar signs alone, I'm probably not chasing after the right things. Right? So all these things need to be brought before the Lord. God, should I do this? Should, do I need another gun? I just had a guy working on a house. We recited a house a couple weeks ago. And I uh, hope he's not listening to this. But he said, oh, this is great. My wife has been really slow at work. And he works, um, he's got a full-time job. But they're not making much money. But he said, this is great. Now I get a little extra money. I can buy that that new gun I was looking at. And that's the last, he told me, the last time I worked with him on a project, he would make a little money, buy another gun. And he's got lots of guns. I was just like, okay, I didn't really want to preach at him. Um, but sometimes things may be out of balance. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a balanced life. Um, so 
Every day I work on houses. You ever thought about Jesus' house when he was here on earth? Now, we know if we know the word, we know that he did not have once he was in ministry. I don't think he had his own house, right? He wasn't thinking about when I retire. He wasn't thinking about when I'm a great-great-grandpa. He wasn't thinking about, hey, I'm going to plant this apple tree here because I'm going to enjoy it to make a nice apple pie, right? He knew that his time here was short. 33 years, three years of ministry. When you back up a little bit, so Jesus' house was not a physical house. You see in the Old Testament where the prophet um, David, they've got the Ark of the Covenant. They do not have a temple yet. That was Solomon that built that temple. But they do not have a place to put the Ark of the Covenant. And David says, you know, it's not right that I'm living in a house of cedar. Right? Cedar was very nice. And cedar, actually, if you want to build a deck out of wood and not composite, you want to go cedar or redwood, something that is resistant to rot. Right? So there's that aspect, too. So David is living in a nice cedar house, probably fragrant, right? rot-resistant. And so that was like the mansion of the day. He says, it's not right that, God, we're, we're moving him around in a box. He needs his own place, right? So he has this, con this conversation with the prophet Nathan, and Nathan says, hey, we support you in this, right? The Lord talks to him. Um, there's a big conversation. I'm going to move along a little bit quicker here. He says, um, this is what God says to David in this. You don't have to turn there, but it is in uh, 1 Chronicles 17. Those letters or numbers are really small. Second part of 10, it says, I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. One of your own sons, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. And I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him, as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house in my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. And Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So he's talking about an eternal throne, right, that will be unmoved, unchanged. No one can strip it from him. And I don't believe that he was just talking about Solomon because we know what happened to the temple, right, torn down. And he was talking about a future kingdom that would come through Jesus. And so Jesus came, ministered, and let's look at the house that he built or that he lived in. What did, what did it look like as far as his house? Matthew 18.8. I'm sorry, Matthew 18, 22. Um, you guys remember the story. It takes place where the master, the Jesus was teaching his disciples, and there was a master of the law there, right? A very educated religious man. He says, Jesus, man, he's loving the words. He's loving Jesus' stories. He's probably seeing his miracles. He's like, I want to go wherever you go. Jesus, take me with you. Right? And then later on, there was a storm. There's all this crazy stuff that happened. But Jesus responds and he says, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So Jesus wasn't thinking long term like most of us, right? Get a house, get the house paid off, everything, the property, the trees, the yard, everything that goes with it, it can be so consuming, right? So consuming. And so that wasn't Jesus' purpose. Jesus' house was being around people and extending his kingdom to them. That's what he did. He knew that he had a designated time here on earth, and it was to love people, bring the kingdom, heal them, cast out demons. Amen? Um, he was single-minded and very focused when he was here. 
He was not scatterbrained. Sometimes I feel a little scatterbrained, you know. And here, here's another little, I'm just going to throw it in there personally, you know. Um, it's hard to share anything that it, if I don't have any conviction myself or any skin in the game. It's just like, that's just somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's words. They have to be my own, right? And so confession, a lot of time I come home from work, I'm done. I am done. We don't have a TV, but I will get on my iPhone, and I might be a re- there might be a reel on there. We're coming up on, uh, we're, we're right in the middle, approaching the end of deer season. I haven't been able to get out yet. But I'll see like an elk bugling or something. I'll hit on that thing and be like, oh, I love elk hunting, and I love elk. I love to eat elk. I just love being out there. And I'll be on that reel, and then all of a sudden it'll go to another reel and another one, and like 25 minutes later I'm like, Oh my, what am I watching? What is this? Or I'll fall asleep and wake, and I'm like, how did that happen? Right? So a lot of time I find myself watching things, and I just go, ooh, yuck. Or something will come on, come on there, and I'm just like, um, it's almost like I feel I need to c- concentrate, right, my phone to the Lord. Because it's like, ooh, there's all kinds of stuff on it, and I need to, like, I feel slimed. I don't know. Do you ever feel that? And you're like, and then you go and you got your Bible app on there, and it's just like, right? It, it Sometimes for me, it feels a little bit weird. I got my Bible app, oh, God's holy weird word, and then there's other stuff that comes on there. I'm just like, yuck. So our eyes are windows to the soul. So if we look on darkness, sometimes that will flood us and consume us. It can. It says our whole body is full of darkness. Um, but thank Jesus that we can ask for forgiveness, right? And I think it can become an actual, um, an addiction, right? It's just a pattern in our life where we're just used to doing, we're used to picking up our phone and looking at it or whatever it might be, like any other addiction. It's a pattern, and you just count up. When I see the hours per day sometimes, it does a, the hourly thing per day for every week, I just go, oh my gosh. And everything within me would rather be spending time with people or reading the word, or doing something that's profitable, right, and responsible. But does anyone, I'm, I'm just saying this because I, I think there's a handful of people out there that fall in the same trap, right? You don't have to raise your hands, but probably every one of us just goes, you know what, if I were to give an evaluation and present my time before the Lord, although he knows it, right, how are we doing? And so this is Jesus' words of 2,000 years ago, Matthew chapter 6, saying, where's your treasures? This is me going, well, sometimes my vision gets blurred, and I do not see all the treasures out there. I'm just thinking about filters. Um, My dad changed out our dryer duct, full of nails, screws, everything in my pockets, right? Just about burned up our dryer, right? Huh? And then also my daughters, it was just like a week to change out dryer ducts and dryers. Some were just already gone. But there's a reason for a filter. The lint trap, right, so it doesn't burn up the, the motor and everything. There's all kinds of filters. Filters for your engine and your vehicle. What if you never changed your oil and never changed out your oil filter or your fuel filter? You'd just be chugging along, right? So I'm a painter, and I've got a handful of various sprayers. I don't know if Andy's still here. But I have a handful of various sprayers, and there's a filter at the pickup, right, in the bottom of the paint, whatever you're sucking up. There's also a filter in the intake of the pump. Also, there's a filter in the spray gun handle. So there's three. So there's three different grades. The first one is coarse, extra one kind of medium, and then fine. But I've talked to guys that did not know anything about cleaning out their sprayer, and they're saying, yeah, just... It comes out with a lot of pressure and just goes, like nothing left. I'm thinking, hmm, did you change out the filter in the handle of the gun? Oh, there's a filter there? <laughs> like, yes, there is a filter there. And sometimes it's like that with, with us, right? Our filter gets so blurry that sometimes we, it gets to a point where it's hard to see the Lord, hard to see God moving. Right? It's hard to see his kingdom. Sometimes you don't have compassion where you should have compassion. 
And that's a, that's a check right there. It's just like, how's your filter doing? How's, how's the lenses? How's the eyes doing? So it's a time to get back with the Lord and uh, reevaluate where that's at. So as far as kingdom investments, that's what we're here to talk about, right? Redirecting some of our money, our time, our uh, energy into something that is producing a harvest, right? As most of you know, um, Vineyard has been a part of the Amazon Brazil for, gosh, probably nearly 30 years. My wife and I went out on a team. We were newlyweds uh, in 1998. Went down to Brazil on a three-week journey. Loved it. Loved the people. I had been working with homeless up here, and I went down there. I saw the hunger. I saw the hearts of the people. They were so hungry. Everyone, if we ask, can I pray for you? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, invite the whole family over. And here it's like, yeah, whatever, prayer. I don't believe in God. I believe in your flanking religion, you know, and you're just like, oh, tough. And then we go down there, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. These people are so hungry for the gospel. Fast forward, my wife and I moved down there. We li- and uh, we had four kids down there. Um, actually, we had two kids down there. Our oldest was three. The second one was uh, a year and a half. We traveled all around, um, traveled on boats, lived in probably a dozen different locations. We helped in uh, church planting, uh, co-pastoring, um, vineyard churches down there, and it was incredible. Uh, most of you guys already know our story, so I won't talk a whole lot about that. But we have um, been continuing to support a group of people in the community that we had lived in. It's called Mahdi Bell. Uh, it was an old um, mahogany sawmill back in the 90s, and I tell you, it's about as rough as it could get. Um, everyone at, at that time were packing. You know, um, people right outside of our house, in our house, that we ended up staying in, were shot on the front door. There was a, just a big spread of, like, sh- uh, gunshot, right? on the In the concrete was inscribed, please, no fights. Um, yeah, it was just crazy. And then the stories we heard, um, the first probably three months, we heard a different story every day of what had happened in that community and in our house. There was literally a couple guys that got shot. They crawled out in the street, and another one finished them off. There's another story I heard. They did have a little church there. The ladies were doing a prayer meeting with the guys in there, too. There was a sign over the top. And they sh- <laughs> these outlaws just shot the sign down, you know, while everyone's praying in there. So it kind of, it was the Wild West, right? And we show up. And the people were very hardened. Uh, there was a pastor in there that was very religious, and um, he ended up run, running off with two young girls, I think 12 and 14-year-old girl, girls. They were sisters. Uh, he was very entitled. Uh, he would make the community tie to him directly, he and his wife. And so when we were out there, uh, they really didn't want anything to do with Christians, nothing. And graciously, uh, we got to know them and meet them. They did like all hands in favor of Clyde and Kelsey and their family moving out, raise hands. And I tell you, it was overwhelming and so cool that we could be a part of that community for four years. So we've continued to support them on and off uh, as we've been back because we know what it means to feel supported. We were supported by generous people, individuals, and family and churches for 11 years. So when you're out there, and it just feels so good to be a part of an extended body and be supported. Um, I'm going to have Tony show some pictures. It's all me. It's all me. Okay. <laughs> So um, the couple in the middle, his name is Francisco. He goes by the uh, nickname of Shikol, his wife, Nilza. So Shikol, they're in the white shirt and tie. Um, This was actually when they got married. But he had an amazing encounter with Jesus. He was like the town drunk. He was on a boat going up river, and I think they were going to go up to the Brazil nut grove up there because they would 
go there for weeks and then cut Brazil nuts. Way out in the middle of nowhere, very hard work. Um, but he was drunk. And he's like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. He called out to the Lord, and he felt like electricity all over him, like presence, and said, God, deliver me from alcohol. And he didn't know God. He had heard of God. God delivered him, right? And um, he met this gal. They had been living together, and down there to get married, um, it's a lot of money. So that's something that we could provide through the vineyard down there was marriage certificates and then a place to actually do the ceremonies. Um, he's, you can see he's a little bit thin. He, uh, he's got really bad liver problems and kidneys and uh, has been on the brink of death many times. But thank the Lord, he is such a warrior. He is such a warrior. We talked to him probably six months ago, and we said, hey, she called. Uh, and this is all in Portuguese. It's crazy to be able to talk to him on the phone. Yeah, just crazy. Uh, technology today is incredible. He says, is there anything that we can do to help you out? He says, you know those talking Bibles? We've been out of them for about eight months. The people love them. And so we, in the time that we were down there, we probably distributed about 1,000 Bibles. And I say talking Bibles because most of the people on the river are illiterate. And so I took a picture uh, one night. We were staying in this, uh, just say a shack. It's their house, but we call it a little shack, dirt floor, um, kind of mud walls. And I, and I hear the audio Bible going. And so I take my camera and I just kind of point it in the direction of where it was coming from. It was she called laying in a hammock. I took a picture and I looked at it later and there was this look on his face as if it was like the hottest summer night and he was digging into a bowl of like ice cream like for the first time just says ah this is so good this is so satisfying and I was like I want to get behind that so I asked him, of all the things that you need help in, he didn't say anything about his health. I had heard from other people that he about died several times. He had to go by boat down in the river, was in, the ho in and out of the hospital. But he said those Bibles, because why? He's a pastor, and he's thinking about other people. He's thinking about all the other people out there have not heard the gospel. Beautiful couple. Um, had the honor of doing the marriage out there. My beautiful wife there on the left. Does she look good? Man. <laughs> There they are, wedding cake. Kelsey was the cake lady. And uh, she taught uh, other gals how to do cakes, and they're actually taking on the cake ministry. There's Nilza. She call. Um, so because he, he doesn't know how to read, he's a great storyteller. In fact, he'll know the whole entire story because um, he's not depending on what his eyes see. He's depending on what his ears hear. And so he can repeat Bible stories and, and where they're at, just like word for word. Amazing. Very, very smart man. He would not say that of himself. But he's a very smart guy. I think that's their uh, marriage certificates there. Okay, so since we had left, um, probably three or four years ago, they decided to do an annual conference. And this is actually on an island down the river. The islands down there are huge, sometimes miles long, to try to reach all the neighboring communities for Jesus. Um, and so this is, a, this is a island that we're very familiar with. We've hunted uh, pigs, wild pigs on this. We've, yeah, we've done all kinds of fun stuff on this. Kids Day, I actually had this little canoe with an outboard on it and was able to pull the kids around on the boogie board, like water skiing. Uh, on, on they actually have a National Children's Day down there, all about the kids. They're doing a lot of things right down there in Brazil. So there's our little church. Um, it was in that church that the Lord told me to come back. I was building it. I was doing a lot of work. I was trying to get the local guys to do it. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I had neck surgery for four months. I could hardly lift my arm. I'm a painter. And the Lord said, you're not supposed to be doing this. I'm like, really, God? I, 
I'm in so much pain. I was taking shots, injecting needles out there. I didn't want to move back to the city where the hospital was. We were four hours from the nearest hospital, and that was just a rural place. But the Lord said, move back to Grants Pass. There's your mission field. I thought, man, these people are so hungry. They got it. It's going. Okay. <laughs> so that's where the Lord spoke to me. I was doing the final touches on this thing, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't finish, so I had some local guys, and they had been helping me, but I got to a point where, like, I can't, nor do I want to do it. It's not my church. It's his church, and it's your church. We're moving on. You guys can keep it going. So, just that picture. <laughs> Leaders, um, this is amazing, too. The two guys on the outside, uh, oh. How many hours we got? The guy on the left, he, he actually fell in an old abandoned well. Gave his life to Jesus when he in the bottom of that thing all night long. He cried out to God, said, God, if you save me. He, what happened was there were some boards over the top of the well. A cow had walked over it. The boards were rotted, all the boards in the bottom. He was drunk. He went off the side of the road to use the bathroom, fell in, tried to stop himself from going all the way down. In the bottom, he met all the boards in a dead, rotten cow. Board, uh, a board went up through the bottom of his foot and shoved out his heel, and he was in there all night asking for God's mercy. So now he walks like, like this, but I tell you what, it's very sensitive. I've seen him several times. Anyway, I'm not going there. The guy's amazing, loves Jesus, the guy on the right too. Um, yeah, the, the other guy second to the right, amazing. Are you talking about survivor? Any one of those guys you can put on the Survivor Show. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the guy in the middle, Rafael. I don't know how many Jaguars he's killed. It's just all of them are just crazy men, right? I mean, just like, and they love Jesus. They're so sensitive, but they're yet so masculine. There's the women. Um, so the church continued, and it grew. We left. I thought, as long as we're here, they're going to look for us, to us for all the answers. We need to step back. And they can look to their local pastors and leaders, and they can step up and fill our shoes. There's a, the uh, women's prayer, because that's what it says. What I saw does mulieres, um, like a women's prayer group. That's where we the worship leader. The gal on the left, many of these, they were not coming to church and did not give their life to the Lord while they were there, while we were there. They have now given their life to Jesus. And it's just, I hear reports of it. I'm just like, oh, amazing. So this was all the cooks. There's a lot of work that goes into all these buildings and stuff, the, um, the sheds with all the thatch roofs and stuff. All those are put up for the conference. So it's like a week of preparation. Um, on the right, uh, you guys may have remember Marcos. Yep. This is Marcos' uncle on the right. That's Pastor Clenildu. And I tell you, that guy is a champion. He's like a people magnet. It's just like if it's fishing or hunting or building or, or whatever it is, he's right there talking with them. And the next thing you know, he's got a crowd of people and he's got his, his Bible open. And then next thing you know, uh, they're doing church service and having a church. It's really an anointing. So he... He would be like the um, the overseeing pastor over northern Brazil vineyard. And on the left there, that's Agostino. He's an amazing cook. Uh, for 10 years now, they've been doing a soup kitchen. And he's, like I said, amazing cook. But there'll be these big pots of soup. And a bunch of people come and volunteer. There's probably like 10 people. And then they distribute it among the poor around the city. And then they, and they also do... Um, Bible um, Bible meetings. All right. So, th yeah, this is the fourth year that they've been doing on the left. There's another overseeing pastor of the region. So there's a lot of support. They're continually going out there and pouring into uh, these people. They have not left them abandoned, and that was part of our thing. It's like, God, is this too early? Who's going to oversee them? And so we had, we had things uh, structured in line to oversee them, but... Um, they co they continued, and they're still going out, and it's growing. There's also a wedding that happened out there. 
so that Clint is performing, uh, this young couple that's actually she calls youngest daughter that got married. She was like 12 or 13 when we left. It's amazing. Baptisms. Um, it's a river. A lot of support. A lot of support. When someone gets baptized there, it's everyone is there with open arms. So welcome to the family, brother. Welcome. You are now my brother. You are now my sister. You are now my son. You are my daughter. And it's just so real, like the community that they have among them. Yeah, so those are all the, I think those are all the ones that give their life to Jesus. Lots of kids. Isn't that precious? Yeah. Okay, so that's it. Um, and the work continues. It's so good to know that in our absence that Jesus is faithful and he continues the work. But I think for me, my, my challenge um, to us is let the Holy Spirit work on you. And if your filter is plugged, you know, if it's, if it's plugged up, let the Holy Spirit just move some of that debris out of the way. And I'm just going to pray along those lines. Um, there's so many opportunities to minister here locally, here in the church. Uh, we got conferences coming up, but especially abroad. They don't have access. There's so many places that have no access to the gospel. There's only 42% of the world that is reached. All the rest is less than like 5%, 2% that even know about Jesus in these communities. So as much as I love our gatherings, I love them. But part of me thinks about what's going on out there. Have they heard? Did they know? Do they know the goodness that we walk about and sometimes and, and talk about and sometimes maybe take for granted, right? So we've been able to support. We, you know, I don't know. I'm not patting myself on the back, but we've been able to still send down lots of audio Bibles. We don't have a picture of them, but um, because I know they're going to go in the hands. They're going to go in the hands of our pastor, and then they're going to go on the hands of leaders out there who are hungry and want to know more about Jesus. It's not just, oh, that's cool. We've done that. It wasn't effective. But if we go in the hands of somebody that wants to know more, sincerely wants to know more about Jesus. And, um, I just want to challenge us today. Maybe you're thinking about where you could spend some money, and this isn't, you know, to go for down there or whatever. I mean, Maybe the Lord has already been knocking on your heart of, of where you can invest your money or your time or your energy. This was an amazing experience for us, and it didn't stop there. That's why I'm sharing about it. But let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you so much, so much for the work of the Holy Spirit, for advancing the kingdom, for showing people like Shiko and Nilza, the other leaders, that you are good, that you love them, and you love them so much that you want that love to be multiplied through them to other people. God, I thank you so much that you've kept him, kept him alive until now. I pray, Jesus, that you would continue to keep him strong and healthy, to be able to share your word, to be able to encourage others, even though he might be struggling physically. God, give him the strength to be a strong husband, to be a strong father, to be a strong grandfather, to be a strong pastor and leader in that region. Thank you, Jesus, for the boldness that you've already given him. I ask, Lord, that we would be bold. God, that we would examine our lives knowing that we only live once. But God, what, what can we do? Can we do anything different? Can we shuffle the deck? Can we move our finances around to help maybe those that have never heard about Jesus? Can we volunteer our time somewhere, whether it be locally or even in our no main, our own neighborhood? 
Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just move on hearts right now, that you would speak to us, that where we can plug in is part of the body, encourage others. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, sorry if I kept you a little bit long, um, and I start talking about Brazil, and I, I tell you, we could, we could have lunch here and then just keep going. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's my heart, and I think it's, it's really the Lord's heart. As we go into a new season, you know, most of us are wearing long sleeve shirts. Maybe we were wearing shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops last week, but physically, it's a new season. We're going in the fall, and I don't know about you guys, but to be huddled around the wood stove or a fireplace as it gets cold, and it's just that time of just being intimate, right? Getting to know each other better. Things are changing, and I, and I think that's what I want, and that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to know him better. He wants us to know each other better, right? And so, yeah, be blessed. Have a great week, and uh, pick up some chairs. Love you guys. Yes, you do. You